Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Uh, Another Old Testament passage that comes from 1 Samuel. So let us listen to a reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 to 23. If you would like to follow along in your own Bible or in the Pew Bible, um, that's right there for you. Let us listen now to God's holy word. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play, and when this evil spirit from God comes on you, you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendant, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent his messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with his sheep. So Jesse took a donkey and loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then the spirit would leave Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Poems, prayers, and promises. A song written by John Denver in 71 was included on an album of the same name that featured several other classic hits. I think one of them we've also played here on Sunday morning. The album was popular enough that it reached the 15th position on the Billboard 200. But if for some reason you weren't that into music but watched TV, you might also recognize this song from the wonderful 1983 ABC special Rocky Mountain Holiday featuring John Denver and the Muppets. It's a song of life, a song of friendship, a song of hopes and prayers reflecting on what was and also reflecting on what will be, what will come. From our reading as well this morning and in our poem that Jim read from, um, from Frost, 
we hear a similar story found in two men, both called by God, both righteous and both started off with good intentions, but at some point faced their own trials and tribulations, and at specific points lost and regained their way. Saul and David represent in many ways the complexities of life. The stories that we leave behind, the stories we make, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything that falls in between. Today, we reflect on the story of promise, a story of promise, of our lives, and the question posed as well by Denver and his song that asks, what about our dreams and the memories we share? As I said, there's two stories of promise, of prayer, of all the things that we heard this morning unfolding in the life of those in our reading for today. On the one hand, we have heard mention of Saul, King Saul, this one who was called by God to be the very first king of Israel, who finds himself plagued eventually with jealousy and rage. Saul however, was not a king who was always haunted by this evil spirit. For context, as I mentioned, Saul was anointed by Samuel to be the first king of Israel. Previously, the people in the kingdom of God's chosen people were ruled by judges, prophets, we might also say, people who would go around, keep them in check, and also call out when they saw things going awry, make sure things were going the way they were supposed to. But the people began, maybe like we do, grumble. They grumbled because they wanted a king, and so they asked the judges, they asked Samuel for a king because, well, not because they had any righteous reason to ask for a king, but because that's what everyone else had, (laughs) and they wanted to be like everyone else. They wanted a king because The nation next to them had a king. So God sent Samuel to find someone who could be this new ruler for them. And eventually they find Saul, who came from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest of tribes in Israel. And God told Samuel that Saul would be the one to govern his people, to give him a promise that would change his life forever. Now, there was nothing really special about Saul. Not much really special. In, the, in Scripture, in 1 Samuel, it says that Saul was a good-looking guy, and, well, he was strong and tall. I, I don't know if that makes you qualified to be a king, but it's who they called Now Saul, once he was called by God to be king, a first king of Israel, he had some initial military victories, victories that marked his reign. But as time went on, however, we hear that this promise of kingship, this promise of life being different, became ambiguous. It wasn't that clear-cut call, that clear-cut promise that Saul first heard when Samuel called him. It got to the point where Saul 
begins to question this promise as he begins to reject the words of God, reject the words of the prophet by believing that it was by his own hands that he could obtain victory, that he could obtain anything he wanted. And that had dire consequences. On the other hand, we have David as well this morning. We hear about David who was called, who was anointed by Samuel to be down the line, the next king of Israel, the next one who God would entrust with a promise. Samuel is called by God to once again go out to anoint another and is led, as we hear, to the house of Jesse, where Jesse's brothers are there. And on the surface, Jesse's, or Jesse's other sons, not David, seem like they would be a much better choice. But it's not any of his other brothers that they are looking for. It is David, a shepherd who is overlooked by his own family, but is skilled in the ways of music and is said to be righteous by God. He's chosen, he is anointed, he's brought into Saul's home to be this one to bring in something new. Initially there to bring about relief from this evil spirit that plagued Saul. But we know in David's own life that things would change, that this initial promise given to him would change. David is initially filled with this bright eye naivete about the world and filled with this righteous zeal for God. That would soon be tested as he is later forced to flee, to take refuge in a foreign land, and to then eventually lead a rebellion against Saul as they fight over who shall be king of Israel. In those moments where David hides from Saul, that shepherd boy who's overlooked by everyone, including his own family, and that promise from God must have felt very far away. But David eventually, as we know, leaves and forms this lasting legacy to be one of the great kings of Israel, to even leave a legacy as someone who became an icon of faith in our Christian tradition, someone who was of great faith. Though we know David, too, was plagued with his own evil spirits. He was faced with his own challenges in life, whether it be coveting the wife of someone else or wrestling with his obedience to God's word. Though David too was plagued with his own trials, he revealed that the promise of life and kingship took on a much more complex role. The promise of life, the promise that can change a life, I think grows more and more complex with each passing year. John Denver, I think, captures this in his song as he looks back and reflects upon how things have changed from his life to the point where he's at now. Samuel, in our reading from 1 Samuel, grabs at another point that reflects on how life is not as easy as it appears. That promise of life is not as easy as it appears. 
And in the poem from Robert Frost that Jim read, A Prayer in Spring, it touches on another. This poem from Robert Frost begins with the speaker asking for peace and understanding through the beauty of nature, but is worried that that peace won't come. So the speaker turns to God to request in the form of a prayer some kind of sign. But then goes on to see how even in spring, we are all able to enjoy the beauty of the orchids, a flower which appears before the fruit. In the springtime, even though life is uncertain, we are able to be reminded of a new promise of life. Frost in his poem says, For this is love and nothing else is love, to which it is reserved for God above, to sanctify to what far ends he will, but which it only needs that we fulfill. The poem speaker knows that there is much in life that is unknowable, and that makes the speaker and perhaps us anxious. But there's comfort easily and readily accessible to all in the gift of springtime. Again, through all our texts and our songs for song for reflection, we hear a reminder of how life is turbulent, how it can be unexpected, how it can be nerve-wracking. However, that is not all there is to life. Though the promise of God, the early promise God has given to us in our baptism and at the moment of our birth might take on a more ambiguous hue, a more complex hue, it is a reminder for us to be gentle, gentle to ourselves and to our own spirits, as well as being gentle to others who are also singing songs, saying prayers, and reciting poetry of the heart. For we know how life can be complex. We hear even in our own reading for today how great heroes of the faith wrestled and struggled with their own evil spirits. So let us look back on the promise made to us by God, the one that was made to us in our baptism that claimed and sealed us in God's love. Let us look at yesterday and let us look at today and see how the promise has evolved, how it has changed, how it has formed and reformed. And let us take stock of the memories we share so that when the time comes, we can open our hearts to one another, how we can open and offer our hearts to God in ways that provide pathways of healing instead of condemnation. For each of us still carries the promise of our baptism, the promise God made to us as we were sealed in that divine love. God did so so that even in the years when they pass and our hearts become full of life that might make us feel jaded or jagged, we can cling to the foundational promise that our lives are connected to God that our hearts, our lives are connected to that promise of God's love. That promise doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't make us perfect in the snap of a finger. It does not transform us into people who are morally superior beings. 
but it does allow us to gather around a campfire, to watch the evening tire, knowing that in the moments where we cannot know what comes next, or in the moments when we have made mistakes, in the moments when we wrestle with our own evil spirits, the promise of God remains. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.